Hello and welcome to Tabletop Treasures, your podcast for everything tabletop role-playing, crit fails, and everything else the dice throws at us. I'm Kieran. I'm Ryan. And today we're going to talk about some tabletop. Uh, so first off, though, I'd like to say to our lovely listeners and that, that we're, uh, we, we've gone a bit behind on episodes. Uh, unfortunately, life gets in the way of things and... Uh, we're not full-time podcasters, but we'll try and keep on it. No promises, though. So to start the the episode off, though, uh, we're going to do a top of the table. And then recently, I got to pick up Vampire the Masquerade as a player as well. I never get to be a player, and it's so good. So refreshing. <laughs> it really is. I um, haven't been able to like really dive deep because I feel like as a GM, storyteller, DM, whatever it is, you spend so many times like, all right, I need 20 characters. I need their first names, uh, one or two things about them. <laughs> Whereas I've gotten to be like, all right, this is this person. This is their family tree. Um, this is his favorite food and, you know, all that kind of random details. Not that vampires eat food. Well, a certain kind of food. Yeah, well. There is a trait that allows you to mimic uh, eating food, which I think is like very standard for vampire troops. So, of, when you say trait, you mean you mean in game trait? So, yeah, yeah, they, like in game trait in vampire from what, I, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not unusual for vampire to have slightly more of a role playing focus, and that's embraced by the mechanics. Yes. It's, I really like it. It's got a lot of stats. Like it's got so many stats that like you're never questioning like what stat do I roll for this action? Like there's a stat for all the actions. And they're, they're all kind of vague. Um, so like there's just a tech stat and anything technical. Like there's there's nothing else like tech. So if like you're doing something on a computer, if you're doing something electrical, like it's just tech. Um, then there's like streetwise, there's stealth, there's just, like it's got like say almost twenty different skills, and then there's the base stats on top of them, like uh, physical de- uh, dexterity, cunning, resolve, all those things. Um. So while, yeah, it's super role-playing based, the stat system in it is like how good you're successful in that role-playing sort of thing, I guess. It's it's really cool. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Which, like, yeah, really like. Um, so I guess I'll give a brief sort of rundown of how I've found the first few sessions I've done. I think we're like three sessions in. It took us like two session zeros because the rules were quite complicated. But then, then once we played a session, it was like, oh, that all makes sense. Right, right. Um, which I, I like is probably the same for most TTRPGs. But yeah, go, going through our um, character, you essentially get three different, like you can sort of go broad with your skills. You can go like medium. And then you get really focused. So my character is really focused on stealth and guns and sort of being away from the action or hidden or shadowing people. Like is it, is that vibe? What I like about that compared to other 
TTRPGs is I didn't feel like, oh, I have to pick the rogue class. Because I feel like in many things, like you pick a rogue and it's like, all right, daggers and stealth. But you can really just sort of customize, like, well, I want to be stealth and computers or I want to be stealth and medicine or I want to be uh, medicine. and like, like You can really just sort of like, the stats are so flexible, you can, you can make that character that you want to storytell. Yeah, okay, you're not confined to the tropes in ways you might be in other tabletop games. Exactly, and you could, you could 100% lean in on tropes. There's no problem with that. I just like that I don't have to. Yeah, the options are there. Yeah, so, so my guy is like an ex-CIA agent who went on some trip uh no not trip like mission i got turned to a vampire over in some desert somewhere came back and he just uses all those skills he learned there like but with extended vampire senses and stuff yeah, a vampire too um so I, I really like that he's like very secretive doesn't like let much off of his chest keeps to himself within the group and that's fine like even within your group unlike other ttrpgs there's meant to be a lot of like not backstabbing per se, but like everyone's meant to have their own agenda. It's a very social intrigue game. Okay, is, so does it have elements of of social intrigue separate to, I guess, the traditional tabletop elements, the traditional role-playing game elements? Nah, it's all just okay. roles. Um, okay. But like just the setting, like many of the NPCs will contact because like set in modern times, so everyone has phones. Like people will just message you directly like, Hey, don't tell your group this. Um, I hid money here, whatever it is, hid money here. I don't like this person. We need to kill them. Uh, and I trust you and only you that like relationship building sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Which I think is really cool. That's fine. And then it's up to you how much of that you share with your party members. Yeah, like your party could be like super like, well, no, we share everything. Um, our party, which we're, we're a cleanup crew, so we've got like two doctors and like myself, like I'm sort of like investigator slash recon, and one of the others is like muscle slash mover. We go up and clean any masquerade breaches, so if anyone does anything stupid or uh, leaves evidence, like it's our job to go fix that up anyway okay that's a pretty good plot hook yeah so uh everyone has their own um agenda of how they got into this business and there's ties that the storyteller will use of our past lives that like our characters are still really tied to because you can sort of be like oh no i've been a vampire for 50 years or you could be like no i've been a vampire for like 20 minutes and if you're like a 20 minute vampire you'll have so many like social hooks for your your uh I can't remember what it's called. There's a word they use a word for it in the game, but like your before life essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is really cool. Cause like if you and it's it was very much met with like when they described when the storyteller described the game to us, it's like, you know, no one's gonna hold your hand. If your character does something really stupid, like goes and gets a machine gun and starts shooting up like the ancient vampires, you're just gonna get killed. It's up to your character and, and your storytelling to sort of say the story that they do. And, and it might be like your wish for them to go out in a blaze of glory sort of thing. But that, because it's storytelling and less 
mechanics per se. Like it's very, you can like get yourself into those situations by doing stuff like that. And I think it's very much, you sort of have to want to get into that situation for that to happen. Yeah. Okay. But how likely is it that you want to get into that situation? Well, you don't. I think, I think murder hobos would have a tough time with this game because I don't even think we've killed anyone yet. It's not, that's not what I'd expect from a vampire game. Yeah. Like we, we stalk people, find information like we do. And I really like it about that. Like it's all from what we've done and there, there definitely is killing and combat and stuff. Our group, especially our group dynamic of like coming in after the, the fighting's happened. Um, is very much like, hey, we need to talk to a bunch of you. We need to gather intel. Who'd you talk to? Let's see your phone. Why'd you message this person? We're going to follow you for 20 minutes, um, which is really cool, I think. Yeah, it sounds fun. It sounds like something different to you, you know, your ordinary fare. I, know, I, yeah. I understand it's quite a popular game, though. Yeah, so I... I never really got into, I'm not hugely into vampires. Like I think they're really cool. Um, I've watched some vampire shows. I've watched some Viking shows. Like uh, I like all the mythos around a lot of stuff. Um, But now after playing it, like very, I I can see why it's done so well. Like it just feels good. Um, Yeah. I, it's kind of hard to explain without, um, sort of having the the book in front of me and me like showing people papers and stuff, but just like you can go uh, as deep or as shallow as you want with your character as well, which is nice. Mm. Sounds like a solid recommendation then. Something you're enjoying. How many sessions deep are you? So we've done two session zeros and we've done our first and second session. Uh, like how we've played Scum and Villainy before, each session generally is like a night in game time and like because you sleep during, like your vampire sleeps during the day, a night is a mission. So you, you aim to get something done in the night before morning where you have to go back to sleep. Okay. So that, that that's creates the goal. a sort of scaffolding for the, for the gameplay session. Yeah, exactly. Um, I kind of like that anyway, because like, I can already see there being some overarching things happening, but like they're, kind of like you know those 20 episode tv shows where like um they'll have one one plot that's not really to do with the main plot that happens over the 20 episodes and the main plot only gets like one or two mentions in the episode like oh i learned that thing that i need to do to defeat mm-hmm. the guy at the end and but the episode plot was like all right i need to uh find out why the sewer monster was doing this thing you do got to defeat the guy. Always got to defeat the guy. So you got to defeat um, the sewer monster as well. So I, I like, I think that format really works. Um, and I think it's, it's very easily done with the way that it is. It does suffer the D and D problem of they've got the core book, but then they've got 40 expansions. And if you want oh, to be like, that use cool stuff from all of them 
it's hard. Uh, that being said, lots of people have made like player compendiums of here's all the different skills you can get. Here's all the different uh, perks or boons and stuff that uh, are in the books. Which it, which is nice. Because, I mean, that sort of fan support is handy in any tabletop by far. Uh, I guess it's just the book medium. I think it's hard. When something does so popular, you want to expand it, but then you can't just add pages to the original book. No. So I don't know of a better way. It just, when you're coming in as a new player, like I don't feel that way with D&D. Like I came in when it was just 5e book zero. And then I got each book as they came out, read it all. But like, if I was to come into that, like I am with Vampire and be like, oh, there's 20 books I have to read. Like, that's daunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of almost bloat, I think. And, and this is power scaling issues are sort of inherent in that, that type of publishing as well. Yes, there is. Um, what is cool is they um, do add different factions because, like, throughout the towns in the world, there's different factions. That have different things, um, sort of different core abilities and things, and they've added a few of those. I did find with the book it's very wordy. Like being people that are into vampires, really like those descriptions of stuff, um, which I like. But when you're trying to make a character and you're like, all right, there's two skills on this page and five paragraphs of stuff that doesn't matter. Mm, lots of flavor. Yeah. I do, I do love all the flavor, but at the same time, I think there's a place for it in the book, and I think there's a place not for it in the book. Okay. Like if I'm if I'm at the character creation stage and looking up skills and stuff, I, that's not when I need flavor text. Right, right. If but I'm to me, this, that says it does appeal to the kind of person who is going to read a twelve hundred page vampire novel. Yes. Um. But when it's like the world and setting part of the book, that's where I want to read that stuff. Okay. But if I'm flicking like between like the, the character creation rules to skills back to like my vampire feats or whatever, and like I'm only getting like one or two things per page because there's so much flavor, like that makes it a bit hard. Yeah, I can imagine. So any questions before we finish up? Yeah, I think well, I've hopefully told people uh, how enjoyable it was. I I want to know, like, what kind of person, if you were to say somebody coming in with very little tabletop experience, or maybe none, um, or maybe their their only tabletop experience is something very uh, milk toast, like uh, let's say D and D five e, the old old faithful. Um, what elements of this are going to, or rather? What kind of person is going to enjoy this more than that? Like, what kind of person will look at Vampire and this is what I've been looking for in tabletop? Anyone who's really into vampires is just going to love it. Um, I can imagine. That, on the opposite side, if you're not into vampires, I don't think it's that a certain type of person would like it. I think um, min-maxers would hate it. Okay. I think everyone else can get something out of it, but like there's no, like, oh, if I stack stealth and dump streetwise, like that's going to do cool. Like, cause it's not like there's no, 
there's no attack rolls and stuff. It's all just like, well, you're attacking with some in some situation where stealth is beneficial, so roll stealth. There's no right, right. Like there's rules and stats, but they're not so tightly interwoven that you, you can't really min max a situation. Okay, so yeah, fans of, of storytelling and uh, vampires and yeah, I think so. Innovative strategy more so than min maxing uh, turn based grid square grid combat. And the, the, I think not the problem. I think what can be hard about this. You need a good storyteller for it to sort of come alive. And if you're Do playing, you with have like, a good storyteller. Our storyteller is really good. Like How they, they really like the medium. Um, so that that's really helpful. Like any question we have, like answer straight away. There's no, oh, hold on, I need to skip to page 105. Um, like there's a tiny bit of it, but just having someone so passionate and stuff is really good. Passion is important. Well, if that's everything, uh, if that's everything you're happy to say about it for now, yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's let's throw to a break real quick. All right. Welcome back to the tabletop. We're gonna uh, head off with what? What have you got for us, Ryan? Well, you might expect me to have a gadget, a nifty gadget. You might expect me to have a tool I use, but I don't necessarily have a tool. I have. I have like a guy. I have this one, this one beautiful, beautiful human being who uh, has a page on itch, um, has a Patreon, which I'll give a quick shout out to later as well. Uh, and what they do is make a whole lot of, uh, I think nifty gadget is absolutely the term. Cute little uh, procedurally generated or, or tools that are procedurally generating. Um, for just about everything you might be able to think of in the world of tabletop role-playing games. Um, I'm probably going to butcher their name. Uh, uh, what, a, what about? Like, what about? I, f- I have a vibe they're named after a dragon, the Dragon Quest monster, but I'm not 100% I sure. I know who you're talking about, and I yeah, don't yeah. know the, the link or how to pronounce it or how to spell it, but I, I've come across that when searching up stuff before. I'm sure a lot of people already know about it. Um, they are rightfully very popular. You hear about this tool a lot. Um, for those who are interested, it is W-A-T-A-B-O-U. That's their name. You can search that and find pretty much everything. They're on Itch, they're on Twitter, they're on Patreon. Um, well worth it for the Patreon as well. You get sort of, I think you get the desktop version of some of the apps. Normally they're sort of in browser. Um the main thing I think people will come to is a little app called uh, One Page Dungeon, and it draws, it generates just these beautiful little random dungeons with like a, an ink sketch style. They have the little cross hatching around the edges, and I say that style, but also extremely customizable, very, very flexible. You can make the colors whatever you want. You can change line thickness. Uh, what you can't do is sort of manually edit anything. Um, the idea is you just click the fucking generate button until you get something you can make a story out of. And- my, my tangent on that is every mm. random dungeon generator lacks that feature. And it's the one feature that they all need. Cause you're just like, oh, I just need a dungeon, but I also need these two specific rooms for well, like the actual well, content in my thing. 
I'll tell you what. What about what about what about has something for that, and that is beautiful feature of this um, of one page dungeon at least potentially some of the other ones. You can export this in a billion different ways, and you can actually export one page dungeons to Dungeon Scroll, which is another fantastic app um, that has a lot more flexibility. So if you're looking for that, that's cool. Um, you can sort of make more modifications there. So you can use this as a sort of quick template. Um, if you're the kind of creator I am, which is like look at a bunch of cool pictures and then decide what sort of game we're going to be playing from there, um, this sort of app is super useful. Um, really, it's it's what I like about tools where it is simple, straightforward. It gives you flexibility in the areas I think matter. Um, it doesn't go overboard with bloat. It's very similar. I mean, you'll see that from me. It's very similar to Albert Radio in that regard, where it just does what it's supposed to do very, very well and very, very simply. Sounds like what I, everything I like about Obsidian as well. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and they they have some other fun ones. They have a medieval fantasy city generator, which is like super cute as well and very, very useful. Um, one that caught my fancy is I could be wrong on this, but they have a cave generator. Um, oh. And it started off as a cave generator, and that's great because that's sort of less uh, polygonal or less square, less grid-based than less the dungeon grid generator. Based, yeah. yeah, you get um, sort of more organic-looking caves, but something I thought was kind of funny um, is that seems to have gradually evolved into a forest or glade generator where you can change the walls from rock to trees. So you can generate labyrinthian forests as I well, think which I think it's natural occurring stuff. Because anything that I can think of natural, like it could be uh, caves, canyons, trees, uh, rivers, like it needs that non-grid-based flow. Yeah, absolutely. That organic vibe. So so they've got that. They've got, I mean, they have a, I can't say I've used this one, but they've got a mansion generator now. Um, they also have a region oh, generator, which need, is cute. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can do you can do a very basic tabletop role playing game with dungeons, mansions, cities, and caves. You're pretty much sorted. Then what more could you need? And they do some cute things. It's not just visuals. Like um, uh, the the dungeon generator, for example, will come up with like what could be in each room on a very very superficial level. But like there might be. a a couple of kobolds in this room and it's up to you to run with it from there or this is the room that has treasure in it and you can turn those on you can turn those off uh, you can save the map with or without those um, similar with the, the city generator it might chuck some names at you as well which I find super useful it's just a so, pretty fun little tool a lot of these features uh, sound like they overlap with that um, I don't know if you used it but the donjon website yes uh, that's something else I would be more than happy to talk about in one of these i think uh, i use donjon routinely um i i personally use it for their magic item generators i'm just like i oh it's just good because like if you don't have that prepared and then your players when which they always do ask where's the magic item shop or where's the yeah of course they do thing because <clears throat> uh, i think we've discussed this previously whereas i don't let them ask for like oh i want the fire breathing stuff i'll be like here's five items do you want them or do you yes. not because I, I like yes. <laughs> my style is like well what can you do with what is available 
Yeah, that's the, that's exactly the same way I run it. So Don John, um, and also this, what about uh, absolute staples of our uh, shopping episodes? One hundred percent. I love shopping. Give it two of those. You can do. I barely have to do any work. Don't Random tell my players tangent, that. But. I think in stat-heavy RPGs, shopping episodes aren't as good. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade and Scum and Villainy, though, I think well, it's they, a tie into our last section. It is a tie into our last section, but I think like the way that those are like the storytelling stat-driven roles make those episodes much more fun. Yeah, I can see that. This it's sort of um it's hard to do a shopping episode that's not just leaning into min-maxing. E- I mean, my exactly. just my fucking you, rope. When min-maxing time. isn't part of the thing, um it's a lot easier to have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was very straightforward in earlier editions of um especially Dungeons and Dragons where you needed very very specific spelunking tools. You needed um, you needed your rope, you needed your pole, you needed all those sorts of things. Um, and now it gets a bit, you get to that point where you have to wonder, am I giving them custom-made magic items or am I doing you know, our preferred method, which is no, you have the guy has these three items, do you want them or not? I do custom-made ones when it's a boss or something and I'm like, this is the boss of evil and ice, so he'll have an evil yeah. ice sword. You'll have the hat of evil and ice. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I I love that as well. It's very video gaming. I think we've spoken before about our video gaming influences, which is like, of course, the ice boss is going to have a, a an ice. Yeah, he's got the like uh, ice pants. Fragmented ice damage uh, on hit. Yeah, yeah. And this is actually probably a pretty good jumping off point for that. Like, I came up with a water dungeon just because I was clicking through one page dungeon over and over again. And I was like, oh, I guess something. I came up with a water puzzle. I came up with a vaguely water boss. You know, you can really jump off to that. It's got a, it's got that very, very tasty video game vibe to it almost. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, but it is, having said that, not a whole lot to say about it apart from the fact very simple, very nice, very talented developer. Absolutely go check them out. And if you like their work, support them. Um, I act. I, I will. I probably. I think I've already been there. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll have to have a look after. But like, that's such a familiar name to me. Yeah, I'm sure you've used it before. How you said, like, you know, there's exploring and stuff. Do you ever make like bigger things, like multiple levels to a dungeon because that's another problem I have whereas like if you want to do multi-level it's really hard uh, the mansion thing seems like it might do it because what mansion is one level yeah true um, or just like bigger themed areas like making a town but then like the castle in the town has the interior done or is or is it still like you gotta sort of map that out yourself not necessarily the, the thing the dungeon itself but you gotta create the mansion, you got to create the town, you got to create the caves underneath. It's all LinkedIn story, but just separate pieces built out of this thing. I imagine yeah. there's nothing for it, but I'm curious. No, that's up to you. And that's where you can delve deeper. Like if you want to export it and edit it in something slightly more complicated, um, that, that functionality is available. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I think the purpose is to 
remain as simplistic as it can while still retaining, you know, the, the fundamentals. Like you get a very beautiful one-page dungeon and I suppose you could generate two and just decide where the stairs are. And then it's a two then it's a two floor yeah. dungeon. This is where the editing would like I would like just in one piece of software to simply be like, all right, stairs here, add new map, stairs here, export, yeah. here you go, players. <laughs> it's very interesting because that was almost verbatim one of the comments when I was looking through the uh, itch page earlier. It's, Someone yeah, has it's asked just that something that thing. none of them have, but like I think stops it from being so accessible that like you can do lots of stuff with it, but you still have to export it and do custom work to it. Whereas there's just a few features where I don't think I'd have to export it. I think I just built, well, I'd export it to use it, but no, I wouldn't have to edit it afterward. I would be like, mm -hmm. this is the feature I need to go uh, one click, two click, edit. I'm done. Yeah. This took me yeah. five minutes and I've got like my sessions ready. Yeah, that's true. If you are after total control, you might need something different. So, if you're happy to see where the winds of random generation take you, well worth I it. I love the random generation. It's just like if I'm, I have a lot of things where I tie it into something else where like you're in someone's house and they have a stairway that goes down to this cave or, or something like that and I need to sort of specifically place like a cave and a ladder and what else. It's just those, it, those little things, mm -hmm. which can be annoying. Yeah, it would be useful. But all right, uh, that's really awesome. Um, we'll put Actually, a link to that in the show notes. Uh, just uh, for one of our previous episodes, we talked about Roll Table for Two. Uh, they just announced that they're doing full release. Lovely. Um, so they did, I got the pre-order one but now they had i think there's six chapters in the full story and each month they're releasing a new chapter i think you you can buy a full version and they just send it out to you each month it seems really cool yeah um, that sounds great great I, I recommend people checking that out so i might check a link for that as well uh, yeah, other lovely. than that um ryan you take us out yeah you can find us on Twitter and some other places at TTRPG Treasures. Thank you for listening. And get tabletop that treasure. Treasures.com as well. Oh, do we? Nice. You can find us there too. No, table treasures, tabletop treasures pod.com. Oh, uh, it'll well, be in the show notes. Close enough. <laughs> you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it. And if you know anyone who's making a TTRPG or uh, has anything, we're, we're keen to interview more people. Because that, that was really fun when we did that with Michael Doan for Quakeborg. That was a lot of fun. Probably my favorite episode. So if you know anyone, email us or Twitter us or I don't think our address is up, but like send us some old school mail. It'll get to us in a month. You said I wasn't allowed to give people my address. We need a P.O. box just for that, that one just person come to my house. who sends a letter. Just come to my house. I'll give me my address. My address you can, is. You can DM Ryan for his address. Oh, I'm happy to say it. My address is.